Howdy. Well, my most important credential is Nana, as some of you may relate to and some of you may have yet, hopefully, that to come in your lives. So uh, it's a privilege to come and minister here. My, I did remember the way up. Hayden was concerned I might have forgotten and got lost, um, but I didn't. And so uh, let's, let's get stuck into some scripture. Now, um, I did not put all the verses that we're do, going to look at and the scripture we're going to look at. I didn't put them on the PowerPoint. So you're going to have to get out one of these or your phone and your app. Or you could just listen when I read it out, which would be actually brilliant. So um, don't worry that you're not following along. We are going to deal with one particular passage of scripture in depth. And uh, hopefully that's going to give us some insight around an invitational life and send us off maybe, maybe just a bit encouraged about the life we live and the neighbourhoods that we live in. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you take uh, words we read, words I speak, words we hear and do a miracle with them and uh, make them something much larger than just words. Um, would you cause them to go into our hearts uh, individually and as a community here at LBC and, and uh, change up, transform, uh, nudge us into a new space in you, a new space of bearing, uh, bearing your name in our community. Lord, we welcome you and we ask you to do neat things in our heart, in our hearts. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bible, you can open it to John and chapter 9. And uh, some of you may be familiar with this story and for some of you it might be the first time you hear it. So Jesus uh, has been... Uh, wrestling a little bit, arguing with some people who are seriously religious. And they're called the Pharisees. And uh, one of the, the places I go for reference, uh, he calls them the serious with a capital S. And so anytime I read stuff about the Pharisees, I tend to think, oh yeah, I'm not like them. And then I realise I am one. <laughs> because they're the really serious people in the kingdom of God at, in Jesus' time. They took it really seriously and it got them into a lot of trouble uh, every now and again with Jesus. But their heart was to be serious about the kingdom of God. It's just that the emphasis fell on the serious bit. Somehow they lost something when they did that. So maybe that's all you need today. But we'll keep going. As he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. How he knew that, I don't really know. It doesn't explain. His disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What? What, what, what kind of question is that? In this time and in this religious space, the religious, the serious people believed that if you had a physical ailment, it was because you or your parents, generationally, someone sinned. There still can be a bit of that floats around these days, but um, they were trying to work out who done it, whose fault is it that the guy's born blind. So they see a guy who's blind 
and their response is, I wonder who's to blame. Hmm, interesting. Jesus' response to their very deep theological question was, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So Jesus just says, uh, no one? Think you got the wrong end of the stick, guys? It's actually irrelevant. How much time do we spend debating, looking for cause, looking for probable motive, and Jesus is just saying, sometimes it's just irrelevant. He says, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That is a troubling verse to me. I have no idea what to do with it. And probably neither do you. So we're going to move on. There's a lot of things in scripture that you're going to read and there's, there are big debates about causation and about did God do this to this guy on purpose and so that later he could spring him out of prison and does that mean that people who uh, have an ailment and who don't get sprung out of prison and healed, what happened there if the purpose is for them to get better? It's very complex and you could go to Vos Seminary and study it and you might get some insight but I'm just... You know, I'm just going to say it's okay to read stuff and go, that's troubling. As long as it is day, Jesus says, is this a change of subject? As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. So he says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. I want you to just notice that. We must do the work of the one who sent me. What is Jesus doing? What is he saying? Then he goes on, he says, night is coming when no one can work. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. It's just a simple exhortation from Jesus to seize the day. It's all it is, not prophetic doom coming. It's just Jesus saying, life is short. The day is short. The moment is short. Don't wait. It all matters. And then he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let's see if this works. <laughs> Can you click forward for me? <laughs> Thank you. So he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I just want you to pause there. And we're going to go on. Having said this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means the pool of mission, the pool of being sent, the pool of missionary. Have a dip in the pool of being sent. And the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. 
His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, hey, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that it was. Others said, no, only looks like him. But he insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded, and he replied. And we're going to read the rest of the reply in a minute. What I want us to do first is to think about, firstly, that God does stuff in our lives. Some of it's really notable, some of it seems really ordinary, but God does stuff in our lives. And sometimes people ask us about it and they say, hey, what was that? And right in that moment, we have a little choice about what we're going to do. We can hide or we can say something. We can tell the truth or we can be the truth. We can not hide. Now, if you're like me, there's a bunch of times when I just hide, when I want to blend in, uh, where I don't really want to stand out. It's a lot easier once you're older to blend in and not stand out, FYI. So if this is your goal, just live long enough to become slightly invisible, it's great. You don't know what I'm talking about? You just stop getting, sorry, should I be obvious when you're young, when you might be useful in the world for dating and all that sort of thing, you'll get noticed. And then as you get older, you disappear and it's a blessed relief, I think get on with life and being a nana and all the things that really matter. Anyway, sometimes we just want to disappear. How much do you stand out in your environment as a follower of Jesus, I wonder? How much are you a person who blends in? And how much do you blend in because you choose to? And how much do you blend in because you're afraid to do anything else? We're going to take uh, a little bit of time to look at what happens in nature and do a bit of a quiz. And you have to spot the animal that is blending in. Let's go. Okay. What have we got here? Okay. Can you see it? That's the easy one. Is anyone still looking? How about this one? Yeah, nice, hey? I think it's actually a jaguar. But who cares? How about that one? You can see the frog. There he is. This was me sometimes when my communist atheist sister uh, would start to go after my faith and my lifestyle. <laughs> I'm just a frog on a log. Please, leave me alone. I just want to be your sister right now. Can I not just fit in? It's not like that now, but it's taken a couple of decades. How about this one? Now, this one's obvious, right? Can you see this? Isn't this gorgeous? This gorgeous... This is a gecko. Isn't that beautiful? 
Very beautiful. How about this one? Yeah, creepy, huh? <laughs> that one come after you after dark. How about this one? That's a bit harder, isn't it? Okay, what we've got here is a gecko. A little guy up here. He's very well camouflaged. That's a pretty one, obvious, but pretty, so I put it in. How about this one? Nice old owl. Just blending in there. Do you reckon the owl is blending in out of self-protection? Or is it the owl is blending in because he wants to be able to swoop? And sometimes I think we think our witness for Jesus is like that. Blend in, blend in, blend in, swoop. <laughs> blend in, blend in, attack. Blend in, blend in, blood. Well, anyway, sometimes we blend in because we think we're going to do a stealth. I'm not always sure how that works out kingdom-wise. That one's kind of cute, right? This is a peppered moth and he's kind of sweet and he's blending in. And as we're looking at these, I want you to think about the things you do to blend in and whether they're things that are hiding who you are in Christ or whether they're just you fitting in. And I think you can tell a difference just in your heart when, when it's about cowardice. So being the, tree, the frog, uh, tree frog on the log with my sister, I would do things to blend in which were about cowardice. So I would hide things, I would change my language in ways so that she wouldn't come after me too hard. So that she wouldn't humiliate me again and again about my faith. We don't have those kind of conversations anymore. Things have changed. About this one. This is a viper. Can you see him? Protection or attack, neither of them necessarily terribly useful, but blending into your environment might be a good thing sometimes, just being a part of things. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you feel that thing on the inside that you're hiding or that you're being a predator, you know, like here I am in my neighbourhood and I'm just like being normal, but as soon as I get half a chance, I'm going to spring you with Jesus. And your neighbours can kind of smell that coming. Do you reckon? So don't go, I'm, I'm not going to advocate predation. <laughs> Neither am I going to advocate cowardly hiding. So if we're going to fit in in our environments, maybe we just fit in because we're a part of a community. We're going to get there in a minute. This one's just cute. Nice pink one. You didn't have any pink. There's so little pink in nature. Here you go. And this is the last one. And I dare you to try and find that. Any thoughts of what you're looking for? Maybe. How are you going? Oh, well, too late. Now, Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 5, we're going back to John chapter 9, but in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says quite clearly, you're the light of the world. And he says that we don't hide a light under a bucket. If we're going to shine, we put ourselves out there and we let the light shine. So Jesus is fairly clear that 
yes, he is the light of the world, but then he, he actually groups us, and this is not just a one-off in scripture. This theme of us being the light of the world just permeates all of the New Testament. And so Jesus is actually saying we are light in our environments. We are light and we are shining in darkness, whether we realise it or not. And so we don't have to worry too much about trying to hide because we just are shining and it's a lot of effort to hide to protect yourself. And we don't have to worry about stealth either. We are just shining. We are just light. I'm going to read the rest of this story. Let's have a bit of a look at it because there's a lot to learn in this story. So his neighbours and those who'd formerly seen him uh, begging, this is in verse 8 of John chapter 9 again, says, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed it was. Others said, no, only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on our eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought him to the Pharisees, this man who'd been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now, if you've been reading scripture for a while, you realise that Jesus broke religious rules sometimes. And these very serious people, the Pharisees, had made some rules about Sundays or Saturdays for them, their, their holy day, about not doing work. And making mud was work. You weren't allowed to make mud on the Sabbath. Neither were you allowed to do useful things with your spit on the Sabbath. Just... So this is like a double demerit for Jesus. He could have used his words to heal the guy, but he didn't. He did some work, something that the Pharisees, the serious people, considered unspiritual and ungodly. He went about work. Double trouble work. What was Jesus doing? I think John has put this story in deliberately to let us know that we are not people who go through life, mum, wife, worker, mum, wife, worker, evangelist, mum, wife, worker, mum, wife, worker, Jesus follower, but that our whole life is just one shining light. That work is not less spiritual or more spiritual than anything else we do. It's really deliberate. Mud and spit. So I don't know what your work is, whether it's mud or it's spit. I think with writing and speaking and things, which I do a bunch of, it's a lot of spit. And when we get in our teams at work, um, we do a lot of things called spitballing where we shoot ideas around and we have fun and we talk about stuff and we, we, we go, and we're working out, okay, what is this? And then we lay something out. What, what's your work like? What about in your neighbourhood? You know, we've moved into a new neighbourhood um, 
we've moved twice actually since we left here. It's a very O'Neill thing to do. But we, we're now in a cul-de-sac, we live in a cul-de-sac, and we love our neighbours, we're getting to know them. Our first encounter before we bought our home was we rocked up on Anzac Day to check out this place we'd seen on the internet. And the neighbours had a lemonade and Anzac cookie stall out in the middle of the street and everyone was out chatting. When you pull up from work, you don't do the automatic remote thing. You know where you press the remote, you drive in and you shut the door behind you and you go in through the back door so that you don't have to talk to the neighbours? One of my most fun afternoons, I remember, was rocking up and my neighbour's sitting out there watching her kids. All the kids are playing on the street. She's got a deck chair and the other neighbour's sitting there and they've got a glass of wine each. And I pull in and she goes, do you reckon it's too early? <laughs> it was like 4.30, 5pm. It's that kind of street. Well, what are, what are we doing? We're just being normal neighbourly. There's mud. It's spit. It's just the mud and spit of life. But if you don't make any mud and you don't work up any spit, where are you going to put the mud and spit so that people can be healed? I wonder. Okay, so it was deliberate. It's mud and spit and Jesus is being naughty. So they brought him to the Pharisees, the, the guy who's been healed, and it was the Sabbath. And therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. So this is kind of like an inquisition now, because they are after Jesus. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. What I love about this guy's story, he just goes, well, this is how it happened. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. So sometimes when you tell the truth, people don't get it. This is almost like the guy's going, actually, I couldn't see. And now I can see something amazing happened. The Pharisees are going, hmm, I wonder how this fits with our philosophy. Let's think about it over here and ignore what actually just happened. And sometimes you'll be sharing your faith or you'll share what Jesus has done or something that's happening in your world and the same will happen. Don't worry about it. Some of them were concerned, but others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And they were divided. When amazing, beautiful things happen in your life, people don't always respond warmly. And when you tell them what's happened in your life, they don't always respond warmly. It's okay. You don't have to convince them too much. You don't have to worry about it too much. Just tell the truth and don't hide. It's okay. Finally, they turned again to the blind man and they said to him, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied... He's a prophet. So now the guy's taking a risk. So you may talk about something that's happened in your world or people may see it and they may ask you for an explanation. At some point, you step across the line and you might take a risk and say, this Jesus, he's more than just someone, he's more than just a guru that I follow. The guy takes a risk and he says, 
he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they sent for his parents. So now they're doing fact check. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say, um, is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? So now the parents are getting grilled. And they say, we know he is our son. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. I used to think these parents were being cowardly because it says later they were afraid um, of, of the, um, the rulers of the synagogue and they might get put out. In fact, we'll read that bit. He says, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that's why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. I always thought they were protecting themselves, but it doesn't actually say that. And I wondered as a parent whether they were actually protecting him. And I wonder if they had spoken, even if they believed Jesus was a prophet, was Messiah, was God among us, whether they thought, we're actually not going to land him in hot water. We're going to let him land himself in hot water if that's what he wants. So I made some suppositions about that. And we don't really know. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. So now they've got him back. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. So he's been asked to align himself with the religious establishment. And he replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. Now, all through this passage, there's an awful lot of I don't knows. Have you noticed that? I wonder if we could just take that away and recognise that as we live our life and let our light shine, there's actually going to be an awful lot of I don't know and that there's a beautiful integrity that's laid out here that when we don't know, we just say, I don't know. Don't try and make something up to convince people. Don't try and sort out the unfathomable, the complex questions of why and how. It's okay, particularly in our postmodern age, to just say, I don't know. It's got a beauty to it and a power to it. He says, I don't know, but one thing I do know, so the stuff you do know, go for it. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't this a beautiful story? I love this story. And it goes on a bit further and it's more of the Pharisees trying to give him a hard time. And it kind of, it does go a bit further. And Jesus, he ends up meeting Jesus and recognising him as Messiah. And he follows him. But I want to go back to the start of the story. And I want to look at this thing that Jesus said and Jesus demonstrated about being the light of the world. Jesus very deliberately made mud with spit. He very deliberately worked and healed. He 
he very deliberately put together his life's work, his vocation and the healing of another, the bringing of light and sight to someone else. He didn't pull them apart as separate things. He made them one thing and he took a risk when he did that. So what's your mud and your spit? What's my mud and my spit? How do I go about my work? How do I go about my world? How do you do that? What do you do for work? Are you, are you building bridges? Are you an engineer? Do you write code? Are you a carer, paid or unpaid? Are you a prayer warrior and your primary work is to show love and to make intercession for others now? Are you a teacher? What's your vocation? What is it you do with your life? It's your mud and it's your spit. And what about if you just went about your mud and your spit and you let healing flow through it? What about if when you're asked to give account of yourself and the things in your life, you didn't hide, but you just told the truth? No more, no less. Not necessarily trying to convince or persuade, but telling the truth. I wonder what would happen to our witness Very recently, um, we had uh, some rats eat through our water pipes in our house, which is a bit disastrous if your water pipes are in the roof. And as a consequence, I had a whole pile of people come through our house. They had to, because carpet had to go and electricians had to come and plumbers had to come and ceiling people had to come and more carpet people had to come and painters had to come and so there are people coming through my house and in a short period of time I watched as God said I'm going to, I'm showing you something and people knocked on the door and they walked into my world and I just went back I was just doing my world I'm in my home just doing home things moving stuff so tradesmen can move in and out and one by one from the pest control guy to the plumber and then the neighbours, they started coming up and they're going, so what do you do? Was one of the questions. But the more common question which floored me and I did not understand this one, they just said, two of them, do you have faith? what? Like spiritual belief. Do you, you know, have that thing? Oh, oh, yeah, I do. And off they went, wanted to talk. I've got no idea why. I wasn't hiding my faith, but I, neither was I slipping them little cards saying Jesus loves you. 
But when they asked me, was I a person of faith, I put aside what I was doing and made room to chat and to find out why they would ask that. And for all different reasons, there were four of them in a week and a half that just walked in and asked questions similar to that. I don't know why, but I do know my call in that moment was not to hide my faith, not to tell them I was a minister, but to tell them, yeah, I am a person of faith. Do you have a story about faith? I asked them, seeing as you're asking me the question. And one of them was like, well, not really, but I've been thinking about it. That kind of a response. And the other was like, uh, I lead a synagogue circle and I just want to talk with someone who's a Jesus follower. Could we gather? Could we get together and talk stuff? Could I learn about Jesus? Do you want to learn about synagogue? And we began to have a conversation that was just really natural. It felt ordinary. It felt like neighbour conversation. And one of the things we've been trying to do, Mike and I, is to leave our faith on the table. So I was raised in an Aussie family. You didn't talk about religion and you didn't talk about politics. What if we did? Our new generation actually will. We can talk about faith and we can talk even about politics. What we don't need to do is try necessarily to make stuff up, to give fake news. But if we stay with what's true, what we can say, I don't know that but I do know this, then we have a place of power and a place of conversation. And it would not surprise me one bit if light breaks through in some of those conversations. We are the light of the world. Not because we're clever, not because we're smart or got it together. We're just people who are kind of mud pie spit people going about it with the company of the almighty God. He does the healing and the drawing. We just need to do a bit of mud and spit stuff. So let's pray. I want you to think about what your mud and spit might be. I'm not going to ask you to create a spitball, not right now in church, <laughs> but you might want to later. That could be fun for another time. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thanks that you made our coming home to you, our re-entry into the family of God, so beautiful and so mysterious. Thanks for doing that by becoming one of us. Thanks for then sharing who you are with us. Thanks for being light in our world and changing things up for us, opening our eyes to see, healing us in so many different ways and Lord thank you that then you've called us in to be light you've called us the light of the world and Lord as we go about our business would you help us to be people who make mud out of clay and spit 
who live our lives with everyone in really normal, wonderful ways. And Lord, would you break in and do healing and miracles? And would you help us not hide when you do so? Lord, help us just be who we are and give voice and tell truth when we're asked to. Thank you, Lord. Amen.